Imagine for a moment with me if you had been one of Jesus' disciples. Imagine for a moment if you had been one of those disciples who had left everything that he had going for him, his life, his income, potentially his family. Imagine the feeling that you would have had when Jesus looked at his disciples before he died on the cross and rose again from the dead and said, soon I'll be leaving you here by yourselves. Imagine the dread and the panic and the worry and the anxiety that would have overcome these men when Jesus said, I won't be here much longer. I'm sure that they probably were worried about a thousand different things. The friends and family who begged them not to go with them in the first place would now have reason to say, I told you so. The people that were in their industry that were, they were working with it told them, you won't make anything. You'll, you'll be in trouble for the rest of your lives. Now had reason to jeer, to make fun. The Jewish and Roman officials who weren't happy with these new Christians would have been out for blood. There was a lot of reason to be afraid. And Jesus knew that. Jesus understood that. And that's why we see in John chapter 16, verse 33, a, a passage that we talk about quite a bit here at Hilton Head Island Community Church because it applies so much to so many of us at so many different times, but it applied to them that day when he said, I have said these things to you, that in me, that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have peace tribulation you will have trouble but take heart i have overcome the world jesus in speaking those words take heart i have overcome the world jesus in that moment establishes a new relationship a relationship where no longer could they see him and reach out to him and feel him and touch him and eat with him he knew that he was going away. He knew that they would be alone and feel alone. And he understood and he knew the anxiety and the worry that would come with that. And I don't know about you, but I feel like maybe Jesus was speaking those words to those disciples then. But I feel like Jesus was speaking those words and John recorded those words because Jesus knew that in the year 2020, we would have a little trouble. I wonder if Jesus said those words so that we here in 2020 could turn to him in the midst of some of our greatest fears. 2020 has been a year of years. It began when the continent of Australia was on fire. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? That was like, I mean, it seems like years ago. It seems like decades ago. And we thought that'll probably be the biggest news story of the year. Were we wrong? <laughs> It continued when we heard about this virus that was spreading so fast in a place called Wuhan, and then suddenly spread here and suddenly just took off like wildfire here. And it spread to all of our communities in every corner of the world, not just in certain areas. It was a truly a worldwide 
pandemic. It is a worldwide pandemic. An economy that suddenly dropped by 25% in March. Wall Street was hit hard. Main Street was hit even harder. Many businesses, many businesses in this community didn't survive. Many people's jobs didn't survive. And an unemployment rate that's through the roof, the fear of what might happen to us if we get the coronavirus, the fear of what might happen to us if we go get tested for coronavirus. Murder wasps, my goodness, the least of our concerns, as I mentioned a few weeks ago. And then all of a sudden, racial issues, riots, Violence, a deepening between our fellow man, hurricanes, double hurricanes that looks like it may hit the Gulf Coast, the threat of hurricanes, the, the challenge of the worry of is that cone going to cover the South Carolina low country every time we hear about it. Elections, and then last night, the most ridiculous one I heard, and this has to not be true. I can't believe this is true. Some kind of meteorite that's going to hit two days before, like the elections, it's got to be fake news right there. It's got to be fake news. We have so many things that can pull us into worry, and I feel like that message that Jesus gave us, Gave those disciples was a message that he was speaking to us. Listen, church, I want you to hear. I feel like this was a message that was made for us in 2020. In this world, you and I, we will have plenty of trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. You see, trouble by its very nature brings with it fear. Trouble by its nature introduces us to fear. One of my favorite stories, and we probably all learned about it, was the story of the Trojan horse when the Greek army couldn't get into the city of Troy because of those impenetrable walls, and, and they built this Trojan horse that, that was supposed to be a gift. And of course, what was inside of that wooden horse was a group of, of Greek soldiers who, who, in the middle of the night, came out of the Trojan horse and went to the gates and opened the gates so that the army could come in, and a long-standing war was ended by a Trojan horse. And you see, fear is the thing that we may not expect when trouble comes. Trouble comes and we think that we can just deal with the trouble, the circumstances that surrounds the trouble. And the problem is, is what we're overcome with is the thing that we may least expect, and that is fear and anxiety and worry. We weren't expecting it to happen, but it does. And all of a sudden, the whole situation that we first faced with the trouble is kind of in the background. What we're dealing with is fear and anxiety and worry. Today in, in the house, I want to ask how many of you have ever in your lives, and at home, those of you who are watching online, if you're at home, how many of you have ever dealt with fear or worry or anxiety or panic? Let me see those hands this morning. Awesome. That is fantastic. You can put them down. And those of you who didn't raise your hands at home or in the house here this morning, our next series will be online, so we'll deal with you later. So. We all deal with these types of things. And over the course of these next three weeks, Justin and I are going to be talking about 
what the Bible has to say about how we can deal with this issue of fear and anxiety and worry. And I think this comes at a great time because many of you are struggling with a job loss or perhaps an income loss or perhaps you're unemployed or underemployed right now because of the things that are going on in our world. Some of you are students and you're back at school or maybe you're online or maybe you're in a hybrid situation and parents are ready to pull your hair out because my goodness, how much longer can you have your kids at home? And your kids are at home and they're pulling their hair out. They're saying, how much longer do I have to be here with these people that are my parents? Anxiety on the part of the teachers and the administration that has to figure this out. Business leaders, community leaders, our government officials. See, fear can lead to anxiety and then to worry and even to sheer panic. And we're living in a day and age where it can absolutely consume us. This generalized kind of numb anxiety, Justin will be talking a little bit about that next week, that kind of is just in the background and it kind of wears us thin and it preys on us, can be the seed that grows into something that overtakes our lives. I grew up in Atlanta in the 1980s and I believe it was in the 1960s or 70s in the southeast there was introduced uh, a plant that was supposed to be a great like ground covering it was called kudzu how many of you are familiar with kudzu you gotta love kudzu isn't that great it's awesome and i remember in atlanta it would be like you know cold through the winter and everything would die out it was brown and then all of a sudden um, the first thing that turned green was never the grass it was never the, the plants that you wanted to turn green or the trees that uh, had all the leaves had fallen and you were ready for them to turn green. The first thing that turned green in the spring was kudzu. And I think it grows like two feet a week or something like that. It's absolutely insane. And in Atlanta and in the southeast, you'll be driving in the middle of the summer and you'll come up on a house like you just saw or a fence or, or some kind of immovable structure and kudzu has overtaken that structure. It has grown to the point where it consumes us. And that's exactly what fear and anxiety and worry can do in our lives. It can completely overtake us. See, fear can overtake joy and happiness and fulfillment and peace and even purpose. Fear needs very little, just like kudzu, it needs very little nourishment to live and to grow and to thrive. And some of you are saying right now, you know what, that is absolutely true in my life. I used to have a day when I was able to stand up against fear and worry, but it overtakes me. It is debilitating in my life right now, and something needs to be done. You see, fear, just like kudzu, left unchecked can take over our lives. Listen, church, we need to realize that regardless of what we think about fear, that fear is a force that absolutely can overtake our lives. It can cause us to be debilitated in every area of our lives if we're not careful. It can take us out. There's an article that I'll link later on social media that um, really gives us a picture 
of how as Americans and how as people, as human beings, how deeply we deal with fear and anxiety and worry. It's actually a blog post, um, and it's this lady that, that did an amazing job of summarizing some scientific studies based on, on these different things of fear and anxiety and worry. And, and she, she summarizes them, and, and there are, uh, she named the article this, 30 Anxiety Statistics and Facts That May Cause Worry. I love that. 30 Anxiety Statistics and Facts That May Cause Worry. Now, I just want to give you a few highlights to highlight how deeply we deal with this. Listen to this. 6.8 million U.S. adults have generalized anxiety disorder. 6.8 million those are the ones that actually, um, you know, were diagnosed with such. 6.8 million U.S. adults have general, generalized anxiety disorder. Listen to this. 15 million U.S. adults suffer from social anxiety disorder. 15 million. 15 million. 41% of employees experience workplace anxiety. 41%. Nearly half of the workforce that's insane, amazing, amazing. 19 million Americans suffer from very specific phobias. In 2015, 264 million people in the world had at some point in their life an anxiety disorder. Panic disorder affects about six million people in the US. Over half of college students, listen to this, over half of college students ask for help for their anxiety problems. And this blog post, this article that was pulled together, uh, was um, published on January 19th, 2020. Imagine those numbers now. Imagine what it's like now. Fear can overtake our lives, but it doesn't have to. And that's the point of this message series, is how can we find peace in such a troubled world? If Jesus, if one of the promises that he makes to us, and I feel like that's our springboard for so many message series and so many messages, and I think it's true that we just have to realize that these things are real and they're true and they're in our lives. If that's true, how can we find peace? without trying to find it on our own or with some other substitute, which I'll talk in a minute. Well, today, in beginning this series, we're going to talk about three ways that we can connect with God to find peace in the midst of the troubled world. Today, we're going to talk about the power of prayer. Next week, we'll talk about the power of presence. And in our last week, we're going to talk about the power of purpose and how those powerful things that God has given us, gifts that he's given us, is the best. In fact, I'm going to say the only way we will truly be able to deal with the fear that we have in our lives. Today, I want to consider the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Probably naturally on our own, the least likely thing that we are going to turn to when we're faced with worry and anxiety and these types of things, the fear that we are faced with. But the power of prayer is that it can release us, it does release us from fear, and it brings a peace that can only come from God. 
The power of prayer, when we go to God with our fears and with our anxiety and with our worry, and I hope you realize I'm talking about those three things along with panic, uh, those three things, I'm talking about them as if they are one thing, and I realize they're slightly different, but we're, we're generalizing fear and using the word fear. You see, the power of prayer is that it releases us from that fear, and it brings a peace that can only come from God. And I want to add the one word that you're seeing on your screen, and that is that it's the thing that releases us from that fear and can only come from God alone. Listen, I'm just going to be honest with you today. There are so many of us who are God followers, who are Christ followers, who are people of great faith. And the problem is, is that when we're faced with fear and anxiety and worry and discouragement and panic in our lives, we might turn to God. But the problem is, is that he isn't the first place we turn and he's often not the only thing that we turn to. My prayer is that through this series that we would be people who learn to turn to God alone when we're faced with fear. We might turn to God. We might turn to him. But often it's not after we've, it's only after we've tried other things. It's only God plus something else. And the power of prayer is that it releases us from fear and brings a peace that can only come from God alone. The problem is, is I think that we, we make this too complicated in our lives. I, I mean, think about how complicated we make the Christian life. We apply all these rules. We apply all these, as my kids say, extras, these extra things to it. We kind of make up in our minds that it needs to be something more than it is. Listen, church, I want you to realize that prayer is this. It doesn't matter what kind of background you've come from. It doesn't matter what kind of religious background you've come from. Prayer is this. It is simply talking to God. It is simply talking to God. Prayer is simply going to him and talking to him. Having a discussion with him. Venting to him. Asking him questions, going to him and admitting our fears, we just make it too complicated so often. And that's why we often don't turn to him first. And that's often why we don't turn to him alone. Prayer is simply talking to God. I've told the story about, um, I, I have my devotions in the morning, I have my time with God in the morning, um, but I've often talked about at the end of the day when I've been, you know, when I feel beat up and when I feel like I'm tired and depressed and that sort of thing, um, when it's, you know, if I take the dog for a walk, that's my time to talk to God. And so I feel like sometimes the dog has like this in on my relationship with God that no one else in the world has because he might often hear me talking to God. Sean now takes the dog for a walk at night, so that's probably a good thing for the dog, I'm just saying. So anyway, but I, I want us to talk about what it means and how do we use prayer, how do we use talking to God to conquer our fears. Four things today, first and foremost, it's this. Tell God that you will not accept a lifestyle of fear. Tell God that you will not accept a lifestyle of fear. 
You see, I think part of the reason why so many Americans are dealing with this at such critical levels is that we have decided, maybe in the deep recesses of our mind and our spirit and our soul, we've decided that we are just going to succumb to the fear. That we're going to submit ourselves to the fear. We've decided that it's just something that we have to live with. That fear is just a part of our lives. Like it's part of breathing. And I want you to hear today that not because of some kind of like, uh, you know, new age self-help technique that people use that you see on TV that you can buy for $29.99 in three different forms of payment and that sort of thing. I'm talking about not accepting it because we have the power of God on our side to not accept that we will live with overwhelming, debilitating fear. And sometimes what we need to do is we just need to tell God that we will not accept a lifestyle of fear. And sometimes that's the first step towards trusting him at a much deeper level. See, when we succumb to the idea that we're just going to live with this debilitating, overwhelming, life-sapping fear that it's just going to be a part of our lives, then all of a sudden we are going to live in fear because it's what's in our minds. Proverbs 23, verse 7, the first part of verse 7 says this, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. You see, whatever we think in our heart and in our minds, that is who we are going to be. But church, Christ follower, we don't have to live like that. We don't have to live just giving ourselves into fear. When we do that, we are saying that we don't trust God to help us with our fears. Rational fears or irrational fears. When we succumb to that fear, when we say that it is in control, we are admitting that we don't believe that God is. And maybe for some of you, listen, I want you to hear this, whether you're in this room, whether you're in this house, whether you're in your house, whether you're watching online or maybe listening and driving, I want you to hear that you don't have to live with fear controlling you. There is a better option from God's word. You don't have to live in that fear anymore. The second thing I want you to realize when you're talking to God, when you're just praying to him, is secondly, admit to God that you are afraid. You see, the opposite of like living in fear and succumbing to the fear is ignoring it. Fear is all around us. We have reason. Can't we agree, church, that in 2020 we have more reason to be afraid than at any other time in human history? I would say. I would say, we need to admit that they're real. See, those two things can exist at the same time. We can decide that we're not gonna let fear control us, yet at the same time, admitting that we have the natural human emotion of fear. I often tell you that um, in my life as your pastor, 
that I will have either in the weeks or the days leading up to a message or a message series or in the days and weeks following a message or message series, I'll have a big dose of whatever I'm speaking on. And any pastor will tell you that that's true. It's why we don't love speaking on hell, I'm just saying even though we're called to sometimes talk about that. We don't like to. So when we're dealing with stuff, we realize we're going to have a good ounce of that. And I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Um, I, I deal with a lot of different things. I struggle with depression. I've talked about that with discouragement. I'm very easily discouraged. I have to rely on God big time with that. But when it comes to anxiety and fear issues, I, I, I didn't think that I really deal with this. And I thought, finally, a message that I can preach and, like, have, like, authority on. Like, you know, like, hey, I got this one down. Um, and then I ended up having a couple skin surgeries. Everything's okay. But, boy, let me tell you, I've had a bunch of these done in the past, and I have never experienced the kind of anxiety that I experienced over the past few weeks. It was terrifying. I was nervous. And I'm like, okay, God, why are you doing this? Why do I have to go through this right now? Oh, yeah, I'm speaking on fear. And I needed to realize that I deal with fear. And that we all have coping mechanisms. Mine is sometimes, listen, I want you to hear this because some of you are in the same boat as me. Sometimes our coping mechanism with fear or worry or anxiety is to not deal with it. One of our coping mechanisms with fear is ignoring it. Yes, dealing with it sometimes means that we take a pill, sometimes we take a drink, sometimes we take too many pills and we take too many drinks. Sometimes our coping mechanism is to try to flesh this out through the latest method and what the world says to do. But sometimes dealing with fear, our coping mechanism is just to ignore the thing that we're afraid of. And that's the last thing that we need to do. The psalmist, David, king of Israel, the shepherd that later on in the Bible God describes in Hebrews as a man after God's own heart. David, this great man of faith, this warrior shepherd, he dealt with fear. After he had killed Goliath, he went and sought refuge in a city of the Philistines, oddly enough, and he was in trouble. And, and it says that he did something that was nuts. He actually pretended like he was crazy so that people wouldn't recognize him. And, and the king or the, uh, the, uh, the person who was in charge, at, uh, the king of the Philistines, sent David out and to his safety. And Psalm 56 verse 3 says this, at the same time, this is right when this was happening, it says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And listen, church, Christ follower, if it was good enough for King David, if it was good enough for a man after God's own heart when he was dealing with fear and anxiety, putting our trust in God is so much more important. So we need to admit to God the area that you're afraid of. In fact, I want to challenge you right now, wherever you are, as long as you're not driving, maybe just write that down. What is the thing that causes you the most worry? What's the thing that if you were to circle in your life, you'd say, this is the thing that causes me the most anxiety? Maybe type that out or write that down now. Thirdly, thirdly, I want to encourage you to thank God. God for his peace in advance. Thank God for his peace 
in advance. Because when we thank him for what he is going to do, in essence, we are saying that I trust you, God, to take care of that thing. I trust you with my thing of greatest anxiety or my thing of greatest worry. The psalmist also says in Psalm 4, verse 8, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hands on this, but how many of you does your anxiety and your worry, you wish it would come up in the middle of the day? You wish it would come out in broad daylight. You wish it would come out in a period of time when you, you could go and deal with it in the moment, and yet what happens? It happens at 3 a.m., doesn't it? How many of you wake up in terror? about the thing that you forgot about or the thing that you didn't do or the fear of that unknown thing that might happen or the fear of the fact that someone did something and you're worried about the consequences of it. He says, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, there's that word, there's that word, church. There's that word, Christ follower. David says, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Victor Hugo said, have courage for the great sorrows of life and patience for the small ones. And when you have laboriously accomplished your daily task, go to sleep in peace. God is awake. And for some of you, maybe before you go to bed at night in dealing with a fear and an anxiety that has risen up throughout the day, maybe you need to go to that verse, Psalm 4-8. Maybe you need to put it by your bedside. Maybe you need to read it at 3 a.m. when you wake up or 1.30 or whenever for you early, uh, early to sleep people. Like maybe you need to put that right by your bed and trust that God has it because he never sleeps. He never sleeps so that you can. He never sleeps so that you can. He never stops so that you can stop. He takes all of those burdens so that you don't have to worry. And so let's thank God for his peace in advance. And then lastly, talk to God about every fearful thought when it comes to mind. You see, this is a practice thing. This is a habit thing. This is something that we have to try and we have to like put ourselves in the laboratory that when we have the worrying thought that comes up, when we have that moment of anxiety, when we have those feelings of terror, that we learn and train ourselves to talk to him when those thoughts come to mind. Paul writes this in Philippians 1, chapter 9. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything, but in. Say that next word with me, but in what? In everything. In everything. By prayer and, with, and supplication with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here's the promise. You see, that's the premise Here's the promise. The promise is that the peace 
of God, which surpasses all understanding, it covers all things, that peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Church, this is why I tell you and I tell us and I tell myself that while we have fear and while fear can be something that is debilitating in our lives, it does not have to when we turn to God first. See, the power of prayer subdues the force of fear. The power of prayer subdues the force of fear. The power of prayer overtakes the kudzu. It destroys it. It overwhelms it. It can be the thing, listen, it can be the thing that is debilitating to your fear and your anxiety. It can overtake the thing that has overtaken you. See, the fear from disease and trouble and evil, danger, things seen and unseen, we face it every day, and we can be overcome by it, but we don't have to be if we talk to God. And I want you to view it this way, church. I want you to view it this way in closing. Every thought that we have that is fearful in nature, every thought that is just wrapped with anxiety, Everything that we have that we are fearful of, when those moments come, listen, here's the key. That is an opportunity for us to talk to God. Every fearful thought, every fearful thought is an opportunity to talk to the one that overwhelms our fear. When we look to God alone, he will replace our fear with his peace. We can, experience the, we can experience the peace that passes all understandings, understanding if we are willing to look to God alone. But here's my challenge as we end today. Here's my challenge. It is God alone. It's God alone. It can't be something else first and then God. It can't be God plus something else. When we truly trust in him is when we relinquish and, and uh, succumb to the fact that he is enough by himself. And don't right now allow guilt to talk you into not giving it up to him. Don't allow guilt right now in this moment or, or the fear that like you've got this thing that is just kind of captivated you that helps you a little bit with your fear and it helps you for a little time with your fear. Don't allow that to be the thing that keeps you from trusting in God alone. See, it's not God plus anything. It's God plus nothing. Christ follower, we can turn to God. We can turn to God. We can talk to God. And when we turn to God and when we talk to God, when we experience the power of prayer, then we can put our trust in God for the things that bother us the most. Do you trust in him alone?
to overcome your greatest fear and anxiety? If not, if there's something else, if there's even a little ounce of something else, why not make the decision today to begin trusting him alone? Would you pray with me this morning? I realize that whether you're watching at home or whether you're um, here in this place, that many of you are overwhelmed with fear. And that whether rational or irrational, the fear that you have is real to you. God understands that. Jesus understood it with his disciples. And he understands it with you. But you don't have to live with it any longer. And so right now, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, if you have something that continues to overwhelm you with fear and anxiety and worry and perhaps even panic, why not decide today to give that to him and him alone? That thing that you circled, that thing that you wrote down, that thing that you put in your iPad or your phone or wherever it is that you most often struggle with fear and anxiety and worry about, just right now, right now, in just the quietness of this moment, decide that you're no longer going to live in that kind of fear, but you're going to turn to him and him alone. I want to give you a moment just to talk to him. Just a moment to talk to him alone and quiet. Father God, in the strong name of Jesus, I just pray for people everywhere who are watching, who are listening, who are in this place. And the fear, the thing that worries them the most, the thing that gives them the most anxiety, the thing that causes them to panic, that they just uncovered, that they gave to you. Father, I pray that you would take that off their shoulders. God, will you take that burden away? Father, will you help them the next time, whether it's a moment from now, a day from now, a week, a month, or a year from now. Father, the next time that thing comes up, Father, I pray for each one of us, myself included, that we would turn to you alone. That we would trust and talk to you alone and that we would trust in you alone to deal with the source of our fear. God, I pray that you would help us to turn to you. And if there's anyone listening who's never turned to you for their salvation, the thing that um, really should be the source of the greatest fear of life, what happens to us when we die? And God, your word tells us that we can have confidence because your son came to live and to die and to rise again to take our sin away. If you're listening or watching or maybe in this room and you've never put your faith in Jesus for salvation, I wanna 
I wanna invite you and challenge you to make Jesus your savior today. It's the first step in trusting him. It's putting all of your hope for eternity in him. And I'm gonna pray this prayer out loud and if you wanna accept Jesus as your savior, if you wanna begin that process of putting your trust in him, you can do it right now by saying yes to Jesus. It's a prayer that goes like this. God, thank you for bringing me to this place today. Right now, I confess that I have sin and I realize that that sin keeps me from you. And it may be the greatest source of my being fearful. But right now, I decide to put my trust in you for salvation. I accept you, Jesus, as my Savior. Well, if you just prayed that prayer, whether in this room or whether watching online, I want to encourage you to let us know. I want to encourage you to get online and email us or direct message us if you're on one of our social media uh, platforms. Let us know, let me know after the service today if you accepted Jesus as your Savior. We want to pray for you and we want to follow up with you. Father, I pray for everyone in the sound of my voice who may be listening. I pray that you will alleviate our fears, that you would allow us to turn to you and to talk to you first before anything else. And in fact, I pray that we would do that instead of everything else that we would turn to you alone. Thank you, God, for being a God who cares enough about us to take away our fear. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen.